If you stop by the website and my Twitter page or the Facebook page, you've noticed a new logo and a new look. That's because the peeps at Fancy helped me out to create a new style for Modern Manhood Podcast. One that's a little cleaner and more to what I was thinking of when I started the podcast. Um, Not something that I just threw together. (laughs) The three towers on the logo to me represent the conversation. All at equal levels. No one more vibrant than the others. But together, very vibrant. And all connected. Listen, I just think it's a killer look. I hope you like it too. Let me know what you think. And... Most importantly, if you have a business in Calgary or Saskatoon and beyond, and you need some help marketing or getting an awesome look like I did, hit up Fancy. You can find them at thisisfancy.ca. Understanding the many different views of masculinity in the modern world. My name is Herman Vijegas, and this is the Modern Manhood Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Modern Manhood Podcast. Happy Father's Day. I'm recording this on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there listening to the show. Thanks for stopping by. And if you're stopping by in G Radio, welcome. I'm super excited to be a part of the awesome lineup at G Radio, which you can find at gradio.ca. And you can find past episodes of Modern Manhood Podcast at modernmanhood.org. So if this is the first time you're listening to the Modern Manhood Podcast, find old episodes there. Or you can also find them in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your cool podcast. By the way, if you're in the webpage, check out the Patreon page too. It's patreon.com slash modernmanpod. If you want to support the podcast in any way, drop $2, $5 a month, whatever it is that you can. Um, it helps me and it helps out the page and the podcast a lot. Speaking of G-Radio, I started listening to another show of theirs a while back called the high level showdown it's a local politics show with two guys elliot and michael and they're from opposite sides of the political spectrum and they try to make sense what the hell is going on in the world of politics now looking for me they're also very curious about the questions of manhood and questions in how masculinity works in politics as much as i did even more lucky for me they're very curious about their own masculinity and how their lives intertwined as immigrants, first-generation Canadians like they are, and most importantly, as longtime friends. Now, because I had a lot to ask of them, and the conversation was flowing, I had them over at my place, we're sitting on the couch, and there was just a lot to talk about, I decided to split this into two parts. The first part you'll hear right now is Elliot, Michael, and myself talking about what was going on with the intersection of politics and masculinity, which involves people like Donald Trump. But we also talk local politics and specifically the struggles that women have to get into politics, be heard, and the harassment they face. So asking the question how we as men can be better at making politics a place for growth for women. So that and a lot more is taking part in the first part of Elia Tanti and Michael Vecchio from the High Level Showdown. One of the things actually that I, I love about it is that it's not contrived in the sense that it's not like 
we know we have to do Trump watch each week. And so we have to look and see, oh, what did he do so we can have it ready for the show? He provides us with the material naturally, right? He's so the easiest like, content in it, the world. It, eh? Exactly. So it's not like, uh, you know, we also do a 780 at the end of each so mm-hmm. show where we, you know, we talk about something. And sometimes, you know, I don't always have something. So I have to look for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Trump watch's case... There's always something there. So, I mean, Trump watch that, I think, f- until he's in the Oval Office, will be the most consistent. And uh, as you said, the material is just going to be very yeah. easy to fill. Yeah, totally. I mean, the challenge is always that, like, everyone's following what's going on. So everyone knows, like, this week, Comey and the special mm-hmm. investigation and, and the memo. Um, but Michael and I f- fall into this trap, too. The purpose of Trump watch, in my mind, and maybe Michael disagrees with this, but I think that we're on board with this was to highlight the little things that were going on in the background. And it's hard even for us. Like last week we spent so much time talking about Comey and what was going on in the United States. And we sort of missed what the purpose of Trump watch was, which was last week, Jeff Sessions made a, 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 a ordered that all federal prosecutors would go after the maximum sit, uh, sentence for um, criminals in the United States, yeah. which is a major policy reversal uh, from the Obama, the eight years of Obama. But also, uh, you know, has something that's proven to be ineffective and is sort of this tough on crime mantra that doesn't make any sense. And those are the things that are happening under this administration that get lost because we're caught up in daily scandal. And that was, I think, the purpose of Trump Watch. But Michael and I have to be careful of that stuff, too. Right. Yeah. What do you have to be careful? Just because just to just to not get caught up in the noise. Yeah, totally. Because it's so easy for us to just go like 20 minutes on how like. You know how in this is an obstruction of justice from right. Ron Comey or something like that. Like that's very easy, but everyone's talking about that. And Michael and I, as people that are invested in this, I feel we have a responsibility to find the underlying stories and the changes that administrations can make without going through Congress or without you know maybe everyone noticing it. Mm-hmm. The scandals there, you know, people know what scandals are going yeah. on. It's the stuff underneath that we need to do a better job and what we want to do on Trump Watch. Yeah. Which is interesting because uh, Donald Trump's going to come up a lot in this episode. And for, I mean, not in this episode, in this podcast, mm-hmm. um, because of the masculinity that he shows, um, which is a really interesting, brash, almost stereotypical, almost this like person that doesn't want to apologize, wants to be this powerful person, just doesn't know how to do it. Um, that's what he seems like from the outside. Anyways, do you feel like his masculinity... Um, is really affected into his politics or the way he he approaches things? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I, I don't know. I I think I just would classify Donald Trump in in a sort of class of his own. I mean, he's certainly. I mean, if you you want to talk about masculinity, but he like it, it goes beyond. I mean, it's 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 an egoism. It's a it's a it's a power hungriness. It's a, I mean, it's he has so many characteristics that I think. It, it even transcends the term masculinity. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. It, he, it's, it's, he's a Trump monster, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, yes, I guess men have been more associated with the bully persona. And, uh, and you know, his field of work, you know, businessman, entrepreneur, is a more masculine uh, endeavor. But I, I just think that he's just, he's so unique, not just in his presidency, but everything that's led to this in his time you know, on The Apprentice and all that, that yeah. he's just, he's Donald Trump, you know, it's not even, you know, a manly thing. It's just like, oh, there's the Donald, you know. I mean, I think I, I come at this from a different perspective, and it's one of the few times that I knew you were going to ask about Donald Trump, mm-hmm. not only just for previous conversations, but because it seems he's like there. That, that's just, <laughs> he's just there and, you know, politics podcast, everyone wants to know about Donald Trump. I, I get it. 
Um, it's one of the few times when I actually look at Donald Trump, the person and the man, and actually do feel, you know, a sense of sorry for him and, and regret for him because I do believe that he's Michael that shaking his head. He like, believes, no, not at all. And and it's fine, but I I mean, in the sense that I think that he has a, a devised a belief in masculinity and what it means to be a man um, that involves such toxic masculinities that in a lot of his actions and the way that he needs to win all the time in the way that he. Um, objectifies women in the way that he holds himself and, and loves power. Um, I think it's emblematic of someone who's incredibly self-conscious and self-conscious about his who he is as a person. And as much as you don't want to feel sorry for the guy because of his actions and, and the potential outcomes of, of this presidency and his leadership, there is a part of me that sees that as, you know, what, what an awful standard he has come to see as appropriate in his masculinity and as a man and that to me I think is very troubling and something that I think about when I think about Donald Trump from this perspective anyway yeah I feel sorry that that he's that he has this mental state you know but I really I feel sorry for the really larger community and the people that he deals with larger than than himself Uh, but you know that so no I don't feel sorry for Donald Trump but I guess if I you know if I can glean from Elliot's thoughts uh, yeah, I feel sorry that that this man has this thought pattern, that this man acts this way, and, and maybe he doesn't know any better. You know, some people that are so, uh, what's the word, uh, indoctrinated in their own views that they they don't they think that they're doing right. You know, they don't think that they're doing wrong in their minds. He's doing the right thing, and so Donald Trump is is obviously one of those people. And everything that he's done, he's number one, and he thinks that he's the best. And if he thinks that way, and he can't see the repercussions, the greater repercussions, I feel sorry for him. Yeah, and this is this is actually really cool because um, I see both of your points, and I and I think you're both right <laughs> in this. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because in politics, it's it's hard to say to somebody they're like we're both right in this. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> and and that truthfully, it's more often that you both are right in some way or another. Yeah. It's you're kind of debating over fractions of a point, right? Mm-hmm. So I do want to go back to your uh, what you said about um, you. You said you feel sorry for him in a way that he is sh- trying to sh- show to be this guy but he's doing it in a, such a weird weird manner and he is in a sense does not comfortable as a man because he, because of the way he, he portrays his own masculinity and i think it's interesting because a lot of guys have that problem and and it's funny when you say that you're like well when he does this he's affecting other people not just himself right um and he holds a very high high power right now and he's affecting millions upon millions of people now um so it is it is interesting because and the reason why i talk about donald trump because of this this is he's a very microcosm of like of toxic masculinity i think he Absolutely. is he is one of those guys that really exemplifies the way someone can be feeling like he's sad but also still affect his community in a negative way absolutely absolutely and and you know i'm not gonna sit here and pretend to, uh, that i have the capacity to psychoanalyze donald trump a lot of people have have tried and and uh, and i don't think one it's appropriate or two it's useful but i do think he is so emblematic of what you said toxic masculinity let's not forget this guy made it like made his mark on the map when he got offended because someone said his hands were too small like that is that that for me is like for me shows 
the type of how Donald Trump sees himself as a man, how Donald Trump sees manhood and how he tries to embody that and how he, his strength is that. And when he gets mad and when he gets upset, it's when he feels a personal affront to his manhood or his masculinity. And I think that that is really important to think about and analyze one when you want to tackle, you know, challenge him on politics, but also think about the way that he operates as a leader and um, as a public figure now. You know, and I know obviously this program is on masculinity. And so, you know, we said he's toxic, a toxic masculinity. But, you know, a point that I brought up earlier, I, I think that as much as he does these things that, you know, are obviously, you know, I guess male centric, I, I think it's he's an example of toxic humanity. You know, I, I've uh, I've personally never associated his. Be- I mean, obviously, the things he says, you know, about women and grabbing them and groping them and his other inappropriate comments. But I've always seen his actions not so much as a as a toxic male, as a toxic person. He's a nasty man, to quote him. You know what he said about <laughs> Hillary Clinton, and she's a nasty woman. He's a nasty man, but it's not about being a man. I mean, at least I don't feel it is. I mean, yes, there are elements of him that are certainly. You know, may only a male would do, but I've always seen him. He's just a nasty, bad person. Just a, pers- just a bad person yeah. in general. I yeah. love that you said that, Michael. Mm-hmm. I think that's. It, 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 as you say, there was a theme of the podcast is masculinity, but my my always belief about masculinity is that like we're just talking about humanity in general. We're just talking about people, we're, and and masculinity is very, to me, anyways, very fluid, very flexible, very like. I don't think masculinity in itself is a bad word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- unfortunately, there are some people that believe that um, or use it in a sense that it is a bad thing. But like until we get to a point where we're, we don't see gender as this thing, then you know there are aspects of masculinity that we involve. And I think um, – but I agree 100% to your point that he's just a bad person yeah. in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To give away from from Donald Trump, though, um, on the other side, Al, you know, Alberta has definitely has specifically Alberta um, has definitely had their problems with uh, women in power, uh, specifically people like Rachel Notley, who has, um, regardless if you like her politics or not, she's definitely um, has been hurdled abuse after abuse, like verbal verbal attacks. Um, why do you think that happens, and specifically in politics? Well, you know, the fact is uh, that even in the year 2017, uh, politics remains a male-dominated uh, uh, activity. Uh, and, you know, and obviously, I think history has a lot to do with it. I mean, obviously, women did not uh, get suffrage until, you know, 1920 in the United States. I think it was 1919 in Canada. 1940, uh, 1940 in Quebec, you know, if you can believe that. Yeah, it seems um, so. So you know, and in the, the history of women in general, have have you know been uh, uh, suppressed to you know go out there, and you know there's always been expectations of women, and you know stay at home and that, and and you know while we've made great progress, certainly you know I think those those historical uh, setbacks still you know have have held women back, and and so that spills into politics. That's why you know we only have one female city councilor in Edmonton, and and why there you know how many female MPs in Ottawa. So I think uh, you know I, I'm very optimistic and hopeful that there's going to be more women in politics. But I think why uh, it's at the levels they are. I mean, I would put a historical 
reasoning for it and you know and we're moving forward and we're moving forward but it, it takes time and so you know it's as we stand like i said m- politics is still male centric but uh you know i i'm optimistic that uh women can move forward and and i obviously applaud women that are in it people like rachel notley who you know in politics it's a dirty game they say and so you know if you go in it as a male you're already going to have mud thrown at you and if you're a woman then it's it could even be nastier so i i even applaud women who uh, enter politics especially in leadership roles that you know they probably going to face nastier things than any man ever will yeah it is a it's it's a difficult question and it's one that's come up repeatedly in alberta and i think you know when i think about the the issue of the the the, the sec- blatant sexism that occurs particularly in alberta politics um i know that it is rampant around the world we just came out of a very nasty election down south where um some very sexist things were said about a female candidate and and arguably there are people that would argue and i'd be one of them that uh Hillary Clinton being a woman was a feature of her losing. Um, Here in Alberta, though, it's a serious issue. And one of it, I think, is because our politics has taken to social media. There's a huge Twitter following uh, of the AB Ledge hashtag. There's a lot of Twitter discussions going on. We have very volatile politics right now with a a shift in power. Um, We came out of a very negative uh, election campaign. um, And... On top of that, you know, but it's not just to Rachel Notley. If you look back five years, Alison Redford faced a lot of the same criticisms. Yeah. And arguably, um, although she had her faults, a lot of her downfall was based on the, the gendered perspective of politics. Michael's right when he says, well, it's not a traditional woman's space. It, it, frankly, there's a lot of men out there and people invested in politics that see that see Rachel Notley is somewhere that she shouldn't be, or saw Rallison Redford somewhere that she shouldn't be, and it's and it's inappropriate and it's wrong and 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 it's and it's not appropriate. But when you can hide behind a, a Twitter egg, or you are or your friend group or the people that you say these things in front of don't confront you, uh, you all of a sudden feel very empowered and, and 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 as though that's the norm when it's simply just not the case anymore and it's not acceptable. Yeah, no, that's the, I totally agree, and I, and I also think of people like Sandra Jensen who came out. Absolutely, another great example who was basically while running for leadership of the now gone PC party as of today, <laughs> yeah, as of today, yeah, <laughs> um, who 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 was thrown awful insults at her based on based on her gender, uh, based on her pro life stance or um, pro choice stance, of course. Sorry, excuse me, a big difference there, um, and ultimately left the party and encountered. Even more insults, gender-based insults. Uh, Sandra Jensen is a great example, and and that's the kind of thing that seems more prevalent in Alberta than other places in the country. And I know people, the people listening to your podcast are going to give me heat for that, but it is what it is. I I completely agree with you. I think I think that's I I felt really sad. Like you know, um, total disclosure here. I definitely was an NDP voter, and I voted for uh, my NDP candidates, but um, at the same time. I I think I agree with you. Like it would have been anybody, any woman in power, and that would have happened. And it's like I worry about that. So I, I'm 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 curious as to know like how, as guys, we can help or try to make this thing better for women to be in power. You know, to you know, say good things about men. I think there's a lot of support of men out there, mm-hmm. and and there is a lot. And you know, I guess I should say the, the number of people. 
who are discriminatory based on gender and stuff. You know, there is a lot of them, but at the same time, there's not as many as you think. You know, I, I, I it's just that I guess they're more vocal than the ones who who are more moderate and such, right? So, um, I guess to answer your question is that we have to be uh, as loud as the extremists. You know, uh, you know, so, you know, because these people who are against women or, you know, any any extremist views will hide behind, as Elliot said, the Twitter eggs. And and, you know, uh, uh, another person will say, well, no, that's not right, but I'm I'm just going to not do anything about it. Right. So I guess we have to have the same fervor that, uh, you know, these discriminatory people would have to counter that. Uh, But, you know, I think there is, uh, you know, it's certainly uh, good support from men uh at least in elected politics i would you know i would assume and i would think so that most members of parliament most mlas most city councillors would all say we are for uh female uh elected officials and we're going to do our part to support them but I mean, I, I would disagree with Michael, as I often do. This, I think, this is the reason why I, I like having you guys there, because one, one person says one thing, and another person is like, eh, I don't know, just like, shake their head a bit. <laughs> are, are, are sexist political commentators the majority? No. Absolutely not. But are there people that aren't analyzing policy and politics based on, on gender? Uh, the majority of them aren't. Absolutely, 100%. I can tell you this, because I've had to... A, a great example was a debate I had with a gentleman on Twitter you know, two weeks ago, where in the same conversation, he was telling me that the state shouldn't be funding daycare. And then the other one said that, well, we, more women should get into politics. There's a clear... It, it, and that was just... They were separate issues, but that, he was talking about personal responsibility and la di da da And I won't get into the details of it. But this individual, who is very invested in politics, very invested in... Uh, was very invested in a leadership campaign, couldn't draw that connection between you know, subsidized and effective childcare and having more women in politics and more women out of the home in, in, in a number of different things. I think that we, what we need to do as political commentators, as men, as informed men, is, is talk more, uh, less, of course, shut down sexist comments and shut down negative energies. Of course, Michael makes a great point there, but also draw connections between um, gender and policy, Gen- make gender-based policy decisions and think about how it can impact people on a number of different ways. I think that that is incredibly important. As people that are active in in, in politics and political discussion, as Michael and I are, uh, we could do a better job of this. We're not doing enough, uh, frankly, um, to talk about how you know as something as simple as snow removal can be a gendered issue, yeah. and that is something that I think is critical um, in our political discourse. And that's what's going to encourage more women to be involved. And that's when it, that that's going to what's going to make politics a safe space for women. Let's talk about how how decisions affect women, but also minorities. There's a number of different things. The LGBTQ community, of course, but that though that's not first and foremost when we're talking about policy. More often than not, it's how much does it cost and who is it, or how many people is it going to affect. There's more to public policy and, and politics than that. In your show, the high level showdown, um, two guys running it. Have you ever got any feedback on saying like? You need more women on your show. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mention that because we're going to have a uh, reoccurring uh, guest that's going to join us a few episodes a month, I think, right? Yeah, co-host. She's a co-host. Yeah, um, Sharon, and so she's obviously a female. And, and I don't think I, – I certainly haven't heard. I don't know if Elliot has any comments per se about having female content, but uh, we took it upon ourselves – to uh, maybe Elliot got the idea because of comments he heard anyway, but uh, to to include an, another voice that would bring that female perspective. I mean, there's always a gap there. We're two white men. 
um, you know, ostensibly speaking, like, you know, we do have immigrant backgrounds, but essentially, um, I've always felt like there was a gap there. Um, but it was always about, you know, getting to a point where we were comfortable enough to, uh, do the show in a matter that we are, that we can, the best that we can. We finally got there. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had different voices on, um, but, you know, Sharon is incredibly qualified and, 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 and hits a couple brackets for us. First and foremost, she's very invested in Edmonton and the Edmonton community, and we're heading into a, a very, what's going to be a very interesting election. But Sharon also adds a, a diversity in voice there, and it's something that uh, – a, a gap that we needed to fill in one way or another. And uh, I'm really excited about bringing Sharon Vendura on and, uh, and continuing uh, – and making it a, a three-person show at least once a month, if not more. Well, I think that's an awesome idea that you bring in on Sharon, and I think, mm. um, you know, and not to – a person shouldn't always represent what they are, but at the same time – Having a woman, I think she's a person of color as well too, right? That's that, right. Yeah. yeah. So it it does add a little bit to the experience, and maybe she has something to say about those things too. And yeah. I think, good job, guys. That's awesome. <laughs> so that was Elliot and Michael doing what they do best, try to break down politics in a very meaningful way. I do like their banter and the way that they can bounce off each other, and most importantly, their meaningful and straightforward answers that they give to a lot of the questions that I just pulled at them i'm sure they get a bunch of questions like this all the time but i appreciate that they you know took took their time to answer and um you know had some really cool discussions to do especially about how two sides can be right and finding the middle divide and and the work men can do to make politics better for for everyone can't wait for you to hear part two which i'll release next week in which we'll get a little bit more personal and how their cultures play into what they do, their life as first generation and immigrants in Canada, and most importantly, an awesome moment of them connecting as friends. You can find Michael and Elliot on Twitter at High Level Showdown, and I'll put their personal accounts in the show notes, which you can find at modernmanhood.org. Again, please check out the Patreon page. It's on patreon.com slash modernmanpod. You can also find MMP on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere you find awesome podcasts. By the way, once you're in iTunes, leave a review. Throw me a five star. It helps out the visibility of this podcast a lot. And if you want to be a guest on the show, send me a line at Modern Man Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can find me on Facebook at Modern Manhood, the podcast. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll see you next time at the Modern Manhood podcast.